Well, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's time to go inside EMS. This is my favorite time of the week because I get to hang out with my friends and you guys have the opportunity to share in that discussion. And I want to thank you very much for allowing us to join you on your day with inside e- with the Inside EMS podcast. And as always, Pulsera is the proud sponsor of this episode of the Inside EMS podcast. Learn how you can leverage the power of network communication at www.pulsera.com slash EMS. And uh, my guest co-host is back once again, my friend, uh, one of the top EMS leaders in the career field and one who we affectionately call our international correspondent, Rob Lawrence. Rob, thank you for joining once again on Inside Well, thank EMS. you very much, Chris. And you said that just the way I wrote it for you. So well done. And uh, do you know what? I've been for, I think, about five weeks now. I've been stunt doubling for both <laughs> you and for Kelly. Of course, you went away on some uh, some beach trip uh, for a few weeks. And then uh, it was just Kelly and I. And then, of course, Kelly had uh, the, the, uh, the hurricane loss of power, etc. And uh, I was filling in for Kelly. And uh, every week, as you know, I keep saying, come on, Kelly, come back, come back. Well, this week, he's here, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kelly Grayson. Hello, sir. It is good to be back. Finally, it is, uh, it's been a trying five or six weeks, uh, I tell you guys, I'm, I'm glad to be back online or in some form of online, given the, the fragile nature of the, uh, communications infrastructure down here, but, uh, it's good to be back. Kelly, I never thought I would say this, but I missed you. You yeah, but your aim will improve, right? <laughs> <laughs> That is good, man. See, it's the jokes. I mean, Rob doesn't have that wit. I mean, it's so. Uh, but it was like hanging out with the with the BBC all you know for all, the whole the whole show. Hey, uh, Rob's Rob's great. He just doesn't have the 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 charm, the roguish charm of Jeremy Clarkson or or one of those uh, one of our other favorite Brits. But I, I, I suppose he'll be in a pinch. That's right. He is here. We're talking about you know one of the things, Kelly, that I talked about. <laughs> is you know it was very very interesting it was like uh when rob was here it was uh, like hosting with beef bourguignon you know filet mignon and then when you're here it's like at the po' boy sandwich so just a little bit in the uh, difference of quality but you know rob you did do an excellent job and, and Ow! You know, i know you'll be okay you'll be okay rub some dirt on it kelly rub some dirt you'll be okay um but, you know, you did an excellent job. And one of the things that we wanted to do, guys, was we wanted to really kind of have a transition show. You know, I mean, we covered a lot of things, Kelly, while you were gone. And, you know, now we're kind of passing the mantle back to you. But I think I'm going to start off the discussion. I mean, one of the things that we really want to hear about was the experience of Hurricane Laura. Uh, maybe some of the things that you went through. Uh, but certainly, you know, as we do with any uh, disaster that happens or any mass shooting, we've got to learn from it. So. We're going to pepper you with some questions, but first off, I mean, what was the experience like? Uh, it, you know, I've, I've, uh, weathered out hurricanes before, but no, none directly. Uh, I've always, I've always been in the aftermath, uh, or in fairly minor hurricanes like Ike and, and Gustav and, and a few of those and, and, uh, responding to hurricane Harvey was, was not all that, uh, 
uh, all that or preparing for Hurricane Harvey was not all that bad either. Uh, the problem with Harvey, of course, was that it was a weak storm, but it was stationary for so long and it dumped so much water on Houston, but it didn't really affect us. But this is the first one that I've I've been in uh, that was reasonably powerful uh, and then went right over our uh, right over us. And uh, yeah, Laura was Laura was pretty impressive. Uh, when it hit the, you know, the Cameron coast, uh, when it made landfall uh, near Cameron, it uh, it was packing 150 mile an hour winds and there were gusts uh, approaching 200. Um, but 150 mile an hour sustained winds was the thing that really was was amazing was that it retained that strength uh, well inland. Uh, um in my duty station where I was working through the hurricane, we were holed up in a, uh, a local fire department and uh, wind speeds over us were at least 120 to 125. Um, and uh, by the time they reached my house, which is 113 miles north of the coast, uh, due north of landfall, uh, we still had 100 plus mile an hour winds. Um, uh, Laura was the most powerful hurricane to uh, hit uh, the Louisiana coast, uh, officially, and it was still hurricane or it was tropical storm strength when it, when it struck, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, you know, 300 miles inland. So it was pretty, pretty bad storm and it left, uh, far more devastation in its wake than, than, uh, hurricane Rita did, uh, or Audrey or, or Camille or any of the other major hurricanes that have hit our coast. So it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive animal and and sitting through the uh the winds and the rain bands and the the inner eye wall uh was uh was impressive indeed i thought the the uh the fire department was going to come apart around us on a couple occasions in it and parts of it did <laughs> but uh it was uh we made it through and, and got out and cut our way out and and uh hopped in my ruined ambulance and and did what we could uh until the uh, until my relief arrived the next day. So I was following you, Kelly, on your yeah. Facebook Live posts, and uh, it was fascinating to see the kind of build-up, but also some of those real-life hazards that you managed to record. I think there was, you know, power cables in in the, the tree that you adopted outside the station there, uh, but you mm -hmm. know there were live cables there. The wind was pushing in the windows. Obviously, the pressure on buildings such as that. So there were some great lessons to me just to see that stuff. And perhaps we should harness some of those videos and clips because there is some things that people need to be aware of when you're in the middle of this sort of thing. Oh, most definitely. Uh, it, you you gain a new appreciation for the strength uh, and the the uh, sheer power of Mother Nature. Uh and um, anyone that thinks they can ride out a hurricane uh, in anything less than a hardened shelter is is kidding themselves, uh, whistling through the graveyard. I've heard some wonderful stories after it's all over with uh, from my patients in the last few weeks. And so I got a good hurricane survival story, and you know it's always told with this uh, this uh, sense of wonder and bravado that only the truly ignorant can can uh, pull off. Uh, one lady said, I tied myself to my mattress. <laughs> I just knew there ain't no hurricane big enough to blow my big butt away. And uh, yes, from the way she tells it, her and her mattress were probably 10, 15 feet in the air through the ruined and, and removed roof of her house when a tree struck the mattress and knocked her back down to the ground. And that's how she lived. 
thus proving the old adage that uh, the survivability of likelihood or the likelihood of survivability is inversely proportionate to the individual's worth to society. <laughs> Because we had some people that um, really uh, uh, not not the the best members of society that that lived through this, and and uh, probably some some innocent people that were killed by tornadoes and and whatnot afterwards. But it was pretty impressive when the when the back wall, uh, when the apparatus bay doors, these huge roll up garage doors and fire departments, when it let loose, and it wasn't just the the uh, the door itself, it pulled loose from the uh, cinder block uh, wall. Uh, the frame broke loose from the wall and caved in about a foot and would have done more had we not backed up an, an engine against it to brace it up. Uh, and when the windows let loose in the city hall council chambers uh, and funneled air and wind through the uh, and water through the building, I thought it was going to go then, but we managed to or I will say we, uh, I stood back and let the fire department brace it up and, and they did an admirable job of it. But yeah, you wonder what's going to be there when you, when you walk out. And when we walked out, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. The, the level of devastation, it was, uh, there was virtually, uh, nothing that was undamaged and uh, a major number of structures were just demolished. Uh, so, and they're still cutting their way out of it now and they're still, working on restoring power to, uh, to the grid. Uh, most of my area has power back. Uh, however, my internet access is still uh, very spotty. And at work, we have power, uh, but it'll probably be another month before we have internet access uh, uh, at my, my workstation. And actually, always, I, I, I always moan and complain that when, whenever we exercise, we always exercise the, the sharp end bit, the response, the emergency, and we never talk about the recovery. And you're a classic there because we are weeks from the actual event. And I think that the FEMA task force is still deployed in, in Louisiana, also assisting with things like shelters. So the recovery is long and slow. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And yes, FEMA and, and more than than just FEMA. But but one of the things that becomes immediately apparent in, in the aftermath of these things is that um, it was kind of uplifting. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whose campaign sign you have on your lawn or who you identify as or whatever. Uh, when the winds pass. Uh, people will be feeding each other, sheltering each other, helping each other, cut each other out of their homes uh, with no regard to uh, political differences and, or anything else. Uh, it's just neighbors helping neighbors. And uh, that that was been true in every future disaster I've ever seen. It was true in this one as well. As soon as the uh, the winds died down, you heard the snarl of chainsaws. And, and as soon as people get out of their own homes, they went to work on other people's homes. So... Uh, and, and that's still ongoing. Yeah, and I think that that's the true humanity when it comes to these types of uh, situations. You know, people become neighbors again, and uh, really it is about uh, who can help whom. So, you know, Kelly, let's go ahead and think about your experience now. From an EMS standpoint, I mean, you and I have talked many, many of time about what it must have been like to have to respond and work in these types of conditions, maybe give us a little bit about dealing with the response from an EMS standpoint of having to do your job. And, and I'll, I'll give you a follow-up question to that. 
what was your biggest lesson? Well, first of all, the, the, you're not going to be out in the storm unless something horrible has happened. Um, uh, and, and there is no other, uh, means of, of, uh, dealing with the problem. You're not going to be out in the storm. You're not going to be out there rescuing people, uh, public safety officials and, and city fathers and the parish government and all the disaster pre- preparedness people uh, put into to place a mandatory evacuation. And they made it clear that if you choose to ignore the mandatory evacuation, they're not, they don't have the manpower or the, the will to go house to house and drag people from their homes. But they make it pretty clear that if you don't leave uh, and you need assistance from fire, police or EMS, it's not coming. And it may not be coming for 48 to 72 hours post event uh, because those people are in the path of the hurricane as well. And they're dealing with their own problems. We will do what we can. But uh, Acadian Ambulance takes our our vehicles off the road when sustained winds get greater than 40 miles an hour uh, because it's just not safe to be on the road. And and they made us hole up at the. the fire department, because our ops manager didn't really test, uh, trust the structural integrity of the station we have, uh, and the city hall was a little more robust. So put us over there, and, that, and it was a wise choice because uh, they had a, uh, a whole building standby generator, and it's, it was uh, concrete walls and whatnot, and it, it withstood, aside from some plate glass windows and the, and the garage door, it withstood it fairly well. Um but you're not going to be able to uh, get to people. So uh, this is one of those things where um, in the immediate, uh, while the storm is there, it's it's uh, button up and hold on and pray that you live through it. And uh, after it's over with, you're going to have to deal with the, the fact that um, none of the, the services that you uh, – uh, really come to rely on are going to be available in the immediate aftermath. You're going to have to be able to take care of yourself. And if you need medical care, it's going to be a long time coming to you uh, because, you know, we had firefighters trying to cut their way out of their, uh, out of their stations and we had cops doing the same thing. And, and uh, it wasn't until probably 12 hours after the, the, uh, winds had died down and uh, the weather had cleared that we started to actually get convoys of, of relief vehicles uh, because for for 50 miles around every major highway had multiple trees across it they had to they had to literally stop and cut their way in use heavy equipment to get you know tree trunks three feet in diameter off the road so that they get the power trucks in and the relief vehicles and the mobile command centers and all that so if you're if you're in in major need of uh, of medical care or uh, that sort of thing, best thing to do in the in the path of a hurricane is get the heck out. Don't stay. <laughs> That's probably the biggest lesson because uh, your infrastructure is going to be destroyed and those those resources are not going to be available to you. Interesting, but right. before we get to the, I do want to get to the lesson learned. Yeah. But man, you, I forgot just how long it takes you to tell a story. So yeah, we, do to, we do but have to, we do have to do the mid, yeah, we do have to do the mid show read. So Rob, if you would, sir, uh, for the foreseeable future, maybe the last time, uh, hopefully not the last time ever, but would you grace us with your uh, British accent in the mid show read? 
absolutely old chap. So Pulsara is the only first net listed mobile telehealth and communication network that connects teams across organizations. Free to EMS and the receiving ED, Pulsara One unites teams seamlessly on a single patient channel, replacing the radio report with features like live video calls, ECG and image uploads, audio, data and key benchmarks. Pulsara United includes enhanced features built to help your EMS agency provided an expanded scope of practice such as mobile integrated health and community paramedicine. Regardless of which package is right for you, Pulsara makes communicating with healthcare facilities in your region easy. Simply create a dedicated patient channel, build your team and communicate. For more information, visit pulsara.com forward slash EMS. That's P-U-L-S-A-R-A dot com forward slash EMS. And I have to say, Pulsara United sounds like a great name for a soccer team. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Maybe it does. I, every time I hear Rob, I just want to chime in with like, pip, pip, cheerio. That's right. I told him last <laughs> week, every time I hear him talk, it's like I should pay him three ninety nine a minute. Team, so, team um, that's what we need. Yes, right. Mary Poppins. So there you go. So uh, let, let's get that. You know, Rob, I'm going to kind of you know, let you have the next couple of questions for Kelly. But uh, I, I think he gave us a good overview as to what it was like uh, to handle the position. How about lessons learned, a uh, lesson learned that uh, you had to deal with uh, – from the provider side, Kelly. Uh, from the provider side, um, well, uh, resources are going to be taxed uh, to the max. So uh, things that you would not normally be part of your protocols or business model uh, are going to to come to the forefront, much like uh, we had to do with COVID-19. Treatment in place protocols and alternate destination transport and all of those things uh, are still going to be uh, utilized and even more uh, even more needed uh, in the immediate aftermath of the hurricane. But it becomes more problematic because those urgent care centers or specialty centers, non-emergency department uh, alternate destinations uh, that we would have been referring people to are no longer standing. Uh, some of them are are. Uh, are bare pieces of concrete that where a building once stood and the people that worked in them uh, uh, are, are having to do other things right now. So uh, a lot of the infrastructure that we would would have normally hoped to have directed people to uh, non-emergency department destinations, not there. Uh, the same with uh, treatment in place. Our treatment in place protocols require us to, uh, to do a telehealth consult and we FaceTime with a with a uh, physician or, or PA to uh, to uh, guide us through those those uh, encounters with those patients. But if you don't have cell signal and you have no, uh, I mean, and, and FirstNet and AT and T uh, uh, had had uh, emergency communication centers and mobile towers uh, put up, as did Verizon and all the others, and it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. When you see a disaster this large. Um, all of your grid and infrastructure is down. It's just not a matter of repairing things. It's it's thousands of poles and thousands of miles of cable and towers that are twisted like a child's toy, and they're just not going to be there for a while. So um, we had to, to, to a certain extent, and it's easing off now as hospitals come back online, but uh, we had to do a, a, a little bit of paramedic triage and, just, and, and actively tell people, like we did in the first days of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, hey, 
you just really doesn't need to go to a hospital and the hospitals are busy with people sicker than you are. And, and we feel for you and we'll do everything we can for you right here. But you really need to think about not going to the hospital right now because they can't handle you. And and that's something that people don't often want to hear. But uh, quite a few of them un- were, were understanding. I didn't I didn't run into many people that, that just uh, um, were intransigent, really wanted uh, to, to to tax those resources when they didn't really need to. Uh, most of them were pretty reasonable and, and uh, we worked through their problems and, and handled it the best we could. But uh, even then, the, the local hospital in my, in a, near my duty station is, is still not uh, capable. They weren't capable of much even before and uh, they're capable of even less now. And the large hospitals 30 miles away are uh, at least the the DMAT teams don't have to staff them anymore, but um, they're still uh, their staffing and their census is, is uh, down because uh, of uh, of the damage to their physical plant. They can't can't handle the surge of patients that they normally would. So, Kelly, let me uh, let's get personal for a second and sure. talk about uh, Grayson Acres Chateau Kelly, and of course. <laughs> Everybody that's in our profession runs into the storm, but of course yeah. you're a householder. Uh, you have uh, Nancy at home. You probably have mm-hmm. uh, you know animals or things to worry about. And uh, if you were to conduct a kind of personal after action review, and of course sometimes we may forget that you know we're going to run into the storm, and there's still the home the homestead to worry Indeed. about. So if you were to co- conduct your own personal after action review as Kelly the citizen, what did you do and what could you do better and therefore what could other what should other people pay attention to as the person not the worker yeah that's that's a great that's a great question because you know uh i'm i'm i got off relatively light uh roughly 120 of of my co-workers uh at acadian ambulance had damage to their homes and and uh 70 or 80 of them were displaced at least temporarily uh and and 20 to 30 of them had their houses absolutely destroyed and those guys were coming into work even though they had the our our management team really really stepped up and and helped us uh get through those moments and and other team members uh um uh stepped in and, and helped those of us who had been displaced but I, I think when you have to leave your family behind and they can't leave because nancy nancy's like snow white she collects animals and uh one thing that most people don't consider is shelters don't take animals um right, right. they they don't take pets and um, the host or the, the hotels, uh, 150 miles in any direction are booked solid, uh, and they will be before the storm even hits because the, the crews, uh, the strike teams coming in to, to, uh, work in the aftermath have already got those, those, uh, booked up. You see, you may see a hundred power trucks and, and linemen crews and mobile command centers, um, staged, uh, 50, 60 miles away. Well, they're, they're taking up hotel rooms. You can't get a place. So she had to button up. And, um, uh, it was, uh, the lesson we learned is, is that, uh, a geographic buffer is not enough. Um, I had hoped, uh, that being 113 miles from the coast from any potential landfall would, would kind of, uh, do nothing more than, uh, you know, I'd have power out for a few days. Well, my power was out for 25 days. Uh, and my internet was, was out for close to 30. Um, 
my water was out for the better part of a week, had no water because the local water system had no power. So until they could could generate a uh, get a generator there to run the, the power system, people were were um, uh, without anything. And you can say, oh, well, I've got a well. No, if your well loses its prime and there's no water to run the pump, uh, you don't have well water either. Uh, which is the situation our neighbors were in. So the lesson we learned, from, I learned from this is that I have to be uh, ready to be autonomous, totally autonomous for at least 48 to 72 hours uh, and, and have a plan in place to, to uh, keep on my, keep my household going for a month if need be. Uh, so, it didn't want to go out and spend $2,000 for generators and gas and supplies but um, uh, I did it, and so hopefully I'll have that in place for the next hurricane. Uh, but uh, I really was not prepared for how bad this was going to be uh, as far inland as I was. And uh, I know know now uh, that it's uh, it's going to be a lot worse, uh, uh, or that it can be a lot worse than you anticipate, uh, from little things like you can't go down and get gas, uh, if you want to get gas, you may have all the stations are, are suffered the same damage you did. So if you're going to get gasoline, you might have to drive two hours mm-hmm. to get it. Uh, and that becomes a chore when your generator uses uh, 10 to 20 gallons of fuel a day. So it's uh, it can be tough. And I tell you, Rob, you'll never you'll never appreciate a hot shower quite as much as you do until after about the fourth day after a hurricane when you're ta- when your your hot water has finally run out and you've taken cold showers the last three days it's uh um after a while it, it kind of loses its charm there's there's some great takeaways there because we talk about you've got to have a plan you've got to make a kit and yeah. it's a function of ems leadership and leadership to make sure that our own folk are prepared before the storm hits as in prepared yes. on the home front Uh, Because we're going to take them away for days or weeks, uh, depending on the event. But a function of leadership is to make sure the staff and their families are ready for you to depart and go to work. Yeah, I I had to I had to literally cut my way home. Um, uh, Acadian told us uh, to be prepared to be on duty for 36 hours and uh, they delivered on that promise. I thought that was exceedingly optimistic on their part that I would probably be there uh, without relief for 48 to, to 72 hours. And uh, my relief got there at 36 hours on the nose. Uh, so I only did an extra 12 and I came back to work uh, um, on my regularly scheduled shift and didn't miss any days. But my normal drive home, which takes me uh, probably an hour and 15 minutes, took close to four hours. Uh, and not a little off-roading uh, because I and other motorists had to, uh, uh, you know, pull up behind several guys and with the with the aid of chains and toe straps and, and chainsaws, we were able to get some trees off the road uh, to make it passable. But uh, in other cases, I was thankful for a four-wheel drive um, and uh, sacrificed a little paint, but uh, got around it and rutted up some some fields, but but eventually got home uh, and had to cut limbs away to get inside the house. Nancy, uh, Nancy and the, the pets were inside and they were all safe and sound. And my house escaped major damage. But to get to it, uh, to get to it, I had to cut trees out of the way to get to my front door. So um, 
still still knocking wood right now, and I'll be knocking and burning wood for the next uh, <laughs> next year or so. Um, but uh, we escaped major damage. Uh, it, ultimately, it was nothing more than major inconvenience and and uh, and uh, financial loss. But um, uh, the the money we lost can be replaced, and the and the the minor damage can be repaired, but you can't replace the people. And the people and the pets survive, so I'm thankful for that. That is the absolute spirit, and we're glad you're back, mate. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you. you know, and uh, and we did miss you, man. And it was uh, we were worried about you. You know, we were following you. Uh, uh, I have to admit, maybe there was a prayer or two, but uh, you're back now. We're going to get back on schedule, Rob. Uh, excellent job, my friend. You were the uh, pinnacle of the relief pitcher. You were there every week. You uh, pitched, pitched your own no-hitter. And, you know, it, it really uh, defines who you are as an EMS leader, knowing that things had to get done. And you were there, um, you know, uh, moving your own, um, you know, your own stuff aside to accommodate us and tip of the hat to you and uh, remember to uh, follow rob on his ems one stop and uh, and he uh uh he'll be following us but uh, i'm gonna kick it to kelly kelly give us the close and then we're going to uh give a little bit to rob so he can uh, pitch his show and we can put that in the closing of every week's show yeah, that was, uh, and, and one last thing to Rob, he's, yeah, thank you so much for pinch hitting for, for me for the last, uh, little over a month now. Um, you're, you are the John Smoltz of guest host. Uh, the baseball fans will get that. You're a relief pitcher that could be a starter in any other organization. So we appreciate it, Rob, but Hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Do you have any Hurricane Laura stories? Do you have any disaster preparedness planning tips for us? We'd love to share them with our listeners on the show at EMS1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Sebolero, and fellow co-host Rob Lawrence, thanks for tuning in into Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. So coming up next on the SoundCloud channel is uh, my EMS1 stop. And this week, we're going to be talking about vaccinations and getting vaccinated because we're going to be prepared to give lots of vaccinations. But the latest DMS1 survey suggests we may not all want to be vaccinated ourselves. See you then. <laughs>